Hello everyone. Uh this is Poonam. I am hosting my first podcast ever with uh, Jimit Bhatt who is currently in his fourth year of aerospace at Virginia Tech and he's also working at Federal Reserve as a chief analyst to a senior advisor in the economic sector of course. So today we are going to look at climate change from a perspective of economics and uh, let's begin hello um and thank you punam for having me it's a pleasure this is first of many podcast i believe yes mm-hmm. so my first question is mm-hmm. do you believe in climate change do you I believe think... that the climate change no uh, don't take it vaguely but do you think that the climate change that is happening is as concerning as environmentalists uh, call it to be is it like we only have few years left and we are not doing enough do you think it's I think, real i think the people that get affected by um climate change varies um from region to region um th- i think the main concern for uh scientists mm-hmm. is that if we don't act fast uh some people in you know very underprivileged um coastal regions might get affected more and the people who are living in mainland cities which are well protected uh might not know you know the the effect that causes their actions cause uh, on those people so that that's why they want to be urgent um i don't think we only have few years left i don't think that's ever been the case uh obviously i'm not a a scientist in that region uh but I don't think cuz if if that was the case I think politically we would have um some action because I think uh even you know it doesn't matter what po- uh, political party you're on um everyone wants to live I think that's something that we all can agree on so um yeah so I don't think we have few years left Okay but it is a serious issue yes Okay uh so I want to take it to um economic perspective what do you think how climate change impacts global economy well um i don't think there is any there there have been any economists out there that would say that climate change has helped any economy um mm-hmm. any country um, in particular i would say it impacts different countries you know differently depending on where they are um for example uh you know a country like norway or sweden would have less of an impact uh than a country like india that is you know covered by you know water from three sides um especially mm-hmm. cities mega cities that are based that are built on you know seashores those get impacted the most um and that impact is uneven among countries so you know take a take a good city like uh stockholm you know mm-hmm. i think that's also a coastal city um but it has less yes. of a impact of climate change compared to a city like mumbai which is running oh. on land um okay because of water rising yes because of you know okay. annual rise of uh, ocean levels uh and mm-hmm. that is because of climate change as well so so it it, it overall so, uh yeah overall the the impact of uh climate change is negative on all countries no matter how you look at it so so what you mentioned about uh the water rising uh 
if the prices are low for example in mumbai which is uh, near the coast would you uh, prefer to buy a property there considering that it might uh, be covered with water after some years or well, see, that's that's the interesting part because you see if you if you just compare prices from for example stockholm to mumbai mumbai would mm-hmm. have higher prices even though okay. there's you know there's more chance that you might get wiped out in the next 20 years right mm-hmm. and it's the same thing for new york you know new york has more higher prices per square feet yeah. compared to paris <laughs> uh even though you know new york is more susceptible to water levels like rising um and that's interesting because i think those those uh those coastal cities would be well protected mm-hmm. because there is incentive to protect them because you know there are important people living oh, there okay. important businesses living there so that's why mm-hmm. the prices are you know near an all time high that's interesting but what we mentioned about um carbon emissions per country mm-hmm. i was thinking um uh i read on uh, some website and it said that china i think is currently uh, the number one which has uh, the most carbon uh, footprint which is around some uh, 10 giga trillion something like that mm-hmm. and uh, country is like um, maybe some country in south africa if they have a very low carbon footprint mm-hmm. and if they are not contributing to global warming mm-hmm. but the word global warming itself is called global so mm-hmm. everyone is getting impacted every country is being impacted by it mm-hmm. so do you think it is ethical in terms of how the lives are changing of all these people when they are not contributing um so i wouldn't i wouldn't look at look at that problem like that uh when you said china has the most um you know carbon footprint Uh, mm-hmm. I think the better way of measuring carbon footprint is carbon footprint per square, like you know, per square feet of area. So, for example, mm-hmm. if a country like Vatican would not mm-hmm. have as significant of a carbon footprint uh, compared to France, right? Because it's a small country, so you, mm-hmm. you know, inherently you won't be able to make more stuff in the country itself. So, you know, you won't be able to produce that much, uh, that that much emission. Um, So yeah, so you know, area-wise, I think China is what uh, I don't know exactly on top of off top of my head, but I think it's the third or fourth largest country, right? Um, yeah. And that wise, the carbon footprint kind of makes sense. Obviously, it's not justified because they are still using coal, and you know, yeah, most of that carbon footprint is coming from coal usage and uh, just the sheer number of population that has risen over the last ten years. Um, but yes so that you know even if you don't consider all that uh a country that usually produces more carbon footprint uh mm-hmm. negatively impacts countries that don't produce that much uh because the not producing that much if that country is for example on a coast might be susceptible to you know rise in sea levels over you know over like a decade or something so it is unethical however uh mm-hmm. a country like china is hard to be you know you cannot hold china accountable for anything right um mm-hmm. they they have a they have a veto power in the un you know what that is no so un has so you know everyone everyone likes the un right but the un is very shitty in terms of it cannot do anything 
right. until it gets yeah. a, a high majority uh, and okay everyone doesn't get a voting power so there are mm-hmm. only like i think six or seven countries that have like actual voting power in the un right and mm-hmm. uh so you need what us is a good example so you need us russia china um france uk germany and i think india is in there i'm not completely sure so people that have nukes have voting powers mm-hmm. right um so you need all those countries to say something against china to have china accountable uh-huh. for something that would happen in for example let's say south africa or something um so it's it's really hard to have someone accountable i think there are lots of efforts uh, made um in europe especially because mm-hmm. i've been living here and i see like people generally they prefer taking trains uh compared to flights what do you think how is the situation in america well in the us i think we were uh we were we were interested in trains a lot even before the europe we had the first train mm-hmm. going from like new york to california and that was like a big thing uh but suddenly the the interest of people uh in towards trains just dropped even though there was no reason for it um so train mm-hmm. companies since this is a capitalist play um since they didn't see any profit they just ceased to exist and i think most of the uh the train companies currently like amtrak is a good example mm-hmm. um is being run by the government almost fully and it's not a public company so we should be using trains you know it makes sense because we are just you know a land uh, it's not landlocked but like it's a big continent and we almost like own almost the entire continent not considering canada and mm-hmm. mexico um so you yeah. would think that the train if a train could go from spain to you know norway you know then that same train could also go from california to new york right there have been uh private companies trying to make like you know an underground tunnel that passes through major cities but it's hard to do mm-hmm. that uh first off because you don't know you get profits uh because people still like planes and mm-hmm. well that's the main reason i would say and secondly if you're if you are doing it and if it's not getting used then basically just lose a giant but you have to make it look attractive just the same way the flights are for example it has to be fast and the services uh, should be really good maybe something like that it would be good it would be good um for the at least for the US economy would be good um it's hard to really uh really see the so it's it's hard to quantify these things right so let's say we mm-hmm. have a good train system right so you would take some profit like some market share um uh like you know travel and leisure from the airline industries and most of all i think all the airline industries is private like privately owned and they're public companies but they're mm-hmm. like you know they're not government you know regulated um mm-hmm. so you would take some market share for them which is bad for the us but then also you know the train industry gets a little boost right so it's it that's a good thing for the us and you're reducing the carbon footprint overall which is yes. also good for the us but that's something you cannot like you cannot mm-hmm. show that how did that you know actually help someone in florida that you know because of this shift uh maybe a major cyclone was not created because you reduces the carbon footprint of the whole world like this uh but you cannot actually quantify the results that easily but how does it work in europe and it cannot work in us well because europe is 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 a one big country right 
you have you have open borders everywhere yeah and the same thing with us it's the it's literally one country and you can travel anywhere so well, no because uh, so you have a, a chancellor in germany and a president in france <laughs> those two coming from different countries would agree more than the senator in virginia and the senator in colorado Colorado Whoa. senator and Virginia senator are coming from the same country would agree less than uh, two presidents talking in the EU. The country is a little bit more divided yeah. in those things, so it's hard. It's hard to pass anything currently. And uh, you mentioned about carbon tax and subsidy in uh, Europe. You mentioned about this before. What yeah, is so it? That, so that's an interesting. That's an interesting topic. Um, so it's called the EU C ban. Okay, so it's called like the EU yeah, carbon, carbon ban. ban, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a very interesting way of playing uh, carbon tax. So what it basically does is, so there was already a carbon tax in the Europe, right? Not considering UK, there was a carbon tax in Europe, and what it did was it basically penalized industries that produces mm-hmm. you know, an X amount of carbon footprint. So, well, mm-hmm. what people did companies corporations was they imported a lot of goods from uh creating factories or you know just subsidizing uh, or just franchising different factories in different countries that don't have that carbon tax u.s for example is a good one so europe gets a lot of its product from the u.s and u.s also gets a lot of product from the europe uh from the europe but when europe gets product from the u.s that thing is not carbon taxed not Mm -hmm. yet so what that does, it's called carbon leakage. So what it does is you're basically producing carbon there, emitting, and just importing mm-hmm. that good and selling it in the Europe. Now, you could make that good in the Europe, right? But then you would have to pay the carbon tax because that thing cannot be made without emi- you know, em- emitting carbon. And, yeah, um, like a sneaky so, way. Yes, yeah, so it's a very sneaky way, right? So... Yeah. Regulators in the Europe found this, right? And they basically named this as a carbon leakage. And to stop mm-hmm. that, uh, they did the EU C ban. And that what basically it does is it incentivizes people to make goods here and to produce mm-hmm. less carbon overall. Um, and it also stops the imports coming in without getting the carbon tax, right? So what this would do is this would not only force businesses that lie in mm-hmm. Europe to make stuff that is, you know, uh, more eco-friendly, I would say, right? Uh, but mm-hmm. it also forces other countries that do business with the EU to produce stuff that is less. And it's like a it's like a status uh, quo at this point, right? That EU is doing this much. Um, for example, yeah. the current president of the United States ran on something like this, right? That he's gonna he's gonna basically do a US C ban, which is a United States carbon ban. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would say that's not gonna get passed. Um, it takes. It took uh, him what uh, almost a year, uh, or I think half, at least more than half a year, uh, to pass the infrastructure bill. And there is a saying in the U.S. president, like presidentship, that the first thing you pass is the only thing you can pass in your presidency. So every single okay. Like, so no carbon ban in America. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think. I don't think it's going to come. But in Canada, it can. The thing is, like Canada trades less. It trades okay, but nothing compared to what the U.S. trades, right? So it's mm-hmm. like if you don't see a U.S. C-band, then it's hard to actually see the material impact 
on you know global commission by the way that eu c ban is not passed yet it's in the oh. legislation and there have been some politics mm -hmm. like some issues around that uh one of the other ones would be the <clears throat> angela merkel from germany she stepped down and she was also pro eu c ban right but she stepped mm -hmm. down so she cannot you know vote basically any, anymore uh and the person who replaced her is a little bit on the right side uh, and that's mm -hmm. why it might might not get passed, might get passed, might get passed with like lower amount of uh, cap on carbon emissions, basically. Um, so yeah. Okay. When is this planned to pass? By the way, do you have any idea, or I there's don't no know date off yet? Top of my head, I mean, we can look it up, uh, but I don't think okay. it will be passed mm -hmm. this year, at least. I think it cannot get passed in in one month. Okay. Also, we were talking about privatizing uh, companies. Do you think private companies uh, make more effort or can bring more efficient results in uh, lowering down the carbon footprint? Or it's, it is basically the government's job to do it? I think, uh, I think the government's job is to regulate. Um, mm -hmm. a, a good example would be there was a quote in which... Uh, it was, a, it was basically a stock market quote, okay? So if your company is getting a lot of regulation, like, you know, antitrust regulation, you know what that means? No. So that, that means, um, so antitrust regulation is something that Facebook is under right now because Facebook owns Instagram, Facebook. Um, mm -hmm. What's the other one? Uh, Messenger, right? Uh, WhatsApp as well. So if you want to communicate between two countries, you most likely would use one of these you know, forms of yeah. uh, uh, messaging. So connecting people, it's like their job, right? But they own more uh, now than ever before, I would say. So that mm -hmm. is an antitrust lawsuit from the government against Facebook saying that it's a monopoly. And there is a saying in the stock market saying that if you have a lot of regulations against you, you want to bet for the company because every single time any company has been as like an antitrust, like is against antitrust from the government, it has done really well. So on paper, I know governments don't like monopoly, right? They don't. Yeah. But we haven't done anything to monopolies ever. So yeah. So so I I think uh, on the question that you asked, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think companies can work better than the government, right? I think that's something that a lot of climate activists get it wrong that the government has to do something. Uh, I think, uh, so not considering Russia and China and, you know, locked economies, they're called command economies, right? Command economies, that, that means that that term means that, you know, the entire command is given to the government, right? So a single okay, company yeah. like uh, Alibaba has no say mm -hmm. in how their carbon footprint is. The government has all the say in how their carbon footprint is, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But in the US, for example, you know, I, like Google, you know, Google has been carbon free or neutral at least um, for the last 10 years or more than that. And that the government doesn't have any say in it, but Google is doing it by itself, right? So they're called free yeah. market economies. And in free market economies, I would say that it's wrong to go after the government because you, like you yourself with mm -hmm. enough funds, I would say can make a difference. 
if you want to do something, I think rather than forcing the government's hand, you should probably start something, anything, anything as small as, you know, something. And then I know, you know not everyone can be a businessman. Yes. But I think, mm -hmm. you know, people spending time at the rallies would bring about less change than just them sitting at home. Uh, I think what you should do is, you know, just basically do a startup, you know, sell clothes, sell your clothes online on eBay. Yeah. Uh, and like, you know, that that's how we could bring change uh, rather than going to rallies. So what do you said about uh, selling your clothes online? Whenever I talk about this with my friends, like we have to make efforts and you know how during this time, all this responsibility of uh, making this planet greener again is on the individual, on the citizens itself. Where not everyone has time like to sell their clothes online mm -hmm. or to segregate electronic waste or food waste mm -hmm. or plastic waste. How that shift happened? Like, shouldn't it be to the companies, for example, Coca-Cola, shouldn't they be focusing on making bottles, maybe reuse? I mean, their bottle bottles are reusable for sure, but they are never recycled or nothing is done so shouldn't they focus on making products that they don't have to like go through only one cycle for example if they can still make glass bottles and not plastic ones or if they make plastic ones there should be some kind of regulation which helps them to recycle them because for the moment i think there is around 80 percent of uh, ocean waste which is plastic it is coca-cola's uh, plastic bottles. I I understand that Coca Cola sells a lot around all the countries, mm -hmm. but the waste they are collecting in the oceans and everywhere is mm -hmm. so much. So, and they are say they, and they say officially everywhere that our bottles are recycled. What about that? So I'm not trying. I'm not going to defend Coca Cola in this, right? But I want you to understand that that company is older than both of our age combined. It was there before our parents were living, right? So it's been mm -hmm. there before World War One, right? So it's a very old company. It's probably one of the oldest companies, I would say, right? And it's still in the market, right? It still is, you know, everyone knows what Coca-Cola is. Even people, you know, in like Nigeria, people probably know what Coca-Cola is, right? Mm -hmm. if any remote area, they would know what Coke means. Um, mm -hmm. And that, you know, creates a little bit bias because then they, are be, they would be the ones that would be accumulating waste over that time. So you, you won't find, you know, as much waste from a new, very new company like Tesla, for example, right? Because Coke is mm -hmm. way older than that. So they already have a lot of waste accumulated. And people in, you know, World War One and World War Two times didn't care about climate change, right? They didn't care how the oceans were. So th that waste is all considered in that 70 or 80% number that you cited, right? Mm -hmm. um, that being said, you said the, you said the company should do something, right? Um, now, I personally prefer a glass bottle, right? But people mm -hmm. around the world don't prefer glass bottles. They like plastic bottles. And it takes a lot of hassle to, you know, I think the main problem in terms of recycling, and this goes not for Coke, goes for all companies, right? Is to, dis is to differentiate types of weights, waste. And there have been uh, exactly. startups, which are very lucrative, I would say, to invest in. Uh, their whole job is to change, like if is to differentiate between like you know this type of plastic and and X Y types of 
uh, plastics. And if you just do that and give the waste to the company back, then the company would pay you uh, because they don't want to buy more plastic, right? Um, so mm -hmm. they would just reuse it, but they have to you know, differentiate that waste and that takes a lot of time. Usually, even in this era where everything is digi digitalized and you know, there are machines doing all our works, making cars as well, that differentiation mm -hmm. is done by hand because you can't, like you cannot train anything that is so precise because everything is mushed up. Okay. You know those heaps of waste, right? Mm -hmm. It's hard to go yeah. through that waste other than the guy just trying to see, okay, this is a bottle and this is not a bottle. So I think uh, Coke, you should have Coke responsible. I don't think the government would be able to do something uh, because then most likely what, what happens when you, you know, basically tell a company don't do this is they do something called uh, whataboutism. That yeah. means, you know, what about this company? What about Pepsi, for example? You know, what about this one? Um, so you would need to have like an overall regulation on plastic bottles. A good example mm -hmm. of that would be in plastic straws. There have been regulations yeah. on plastic straws, right? And that forces everyone. So you need to have something that is like universal. Mm -hmm. uh, but then again, as I said, you know, having something universal takes a lot of time. We don't have that much time, but it does take a lot of time. True. So what are you doing on your personal basis? to tackle the climate change or if you are if you can help in any way possible being a student abroad um well so i um i'm i'm the kind of guy that likes to bring about um something big some, something like a uh you know like a regulatory change right that would actually force companies or people and change their lives in a more broader manner right um that obviously doesn't mean that i'm throwing shit off and i'm buying new stuff that doesn't mean that right um but yeah um I my, hope first, so. my second project i would say from uh for working under uh the fed was to calculate how the eu c-ban impacted normal lives in europe and that mm -hmm. includes norm like small businesses and also includes big corporations and i want to make sure that eu c-ban doesn't you know, there is not a, a cheeky, you know, small hole like there was before uh, because mm -hmm. corporations and even small businesses are really good in finding, you know, cheeky loopholes. Um, yeah. And uh, so my, my whole thing was how is it actually impacting every single person? And then when you have the data out, right, then it's just numbers. And, you know, they, they don't, they don't, they're not biased on something, right? So you can just mm -hmm. see and then, then just like, you know, personally lit litigate these businesses and subsidize the businesses which are not, you know, finding the loopholes. That way you can actually bring about change rather than telling people that you need to have straws like this or that. I mean, at this point, I think any effort would matter like if it's a small or a big scale. You just have to think in that direction for sure. You just have to do something, I would say. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's go above the earth. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think about the space exploration? Do you think the way that we are currently doing is sustainable? I know um, with Elon Musk's reusable rocket, uh, we are producing less. Um, at least uh, machinery waste and uh, 
So what about the other companies or uh, government bodies like NASA? Okay, so I would say that inherently, no matter what, mm -hmm. since you know the universal energy is limited, right? So inherently, space like any type of exploration cannot be sustainable because you're spending something to get something, right? So it's mm -hmm. like uh, it's like going on on uh, Amazon and saying, can I buy something without money? That, that won't work. You need to spend something to do something, right? Um, and we don't have a ladder to go, right? So we, we need to spend something mm -hmm. and that something is fuel, yeah. right? And fuel is bad, right? Um, economic wise, I would say it doesn't impact that much, at least, you know, so US is currently has the biggest space exploration program of the world, right? Uh, it still doesn't impact the US economy. Now the US economy is very big. So you would need something mm -hmm. very, very huge to happen to have, you know, at least a bit of an effect uh, on something like this. A good, I would say a statistics remember would be uh, if you accumulate what the world does mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, the pollution and the carbon emission that all the launches, they would be still less than if you accumulate the, the driving emissions in the state of California. And that's just one state and you're taking the entire world, right? And if you consider just yeah. the US itself, the US has a lot of cars, right? It has more cars than the Europe, right? Because Europe people don't like mm -hmm. driving cars um, or, you know, a very dense located uh, region like India or you know, China mm -hmm. or even the, the Philippines. Uh, they accumulate so much carbon emissions just from driving something, right? So I would say the, the current uh, consensus is that it's not big enough that it impacts anyone. Uh, when you see, you, you see gas stations everywhere, right? When you see mm -hmm. spaceports everywhere, you know, spaceports, you know what that, that means? So spaceport no. is just a, just a small, it's not that small, it's very big, right? But it's a, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a platform in which the rocket launches. So that's a port. And it's a space. Oh, yes, yes. When you see yes. spaceports as common as being gasoline stations, that's when that impact would be so much that, oh, we can see it now. Oh. Right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. we only have how many spaceports? You can probably count it in on your fingers, right? Uh, but gas stations are everywhere. But don't you think that we should already start forcing ourselves to look into sustainable space exploration? I mean, don't you think we should learn from our past? I do. Um, yes, yes, yes. So for for thinking is something that we have as humans, right? Mm -hmm. That animals don't possess and that helps us, you know, uh, prevent exactly. uh, future disasters from happening. Mm -hmm. So as, by the way, as I said before, space exploration itself is not sustainable, right? Because you're spending something to go up, right? But um, I'm sure there are some uh, factors that we can work on. Yeah, so I think the number one thing we should do uh, is to reuse anything that goes up, including the satellites. Mm -hmm. So we don't reuse satellites because it's hard to, it's actually less incentive, even, you know, thinking about carbon emission wise to go up and then bring the satellite down and then reuse the satellite and send it back up a, 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 because that whole round trip would be enough to just make a new satellite, you know, on the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, but reusing so a rocket is 
build up. I'm not going to go into the rocket science of you know how a rocket is launched, but it's built up of uh, two stages, for example, right? The, there's the main stage and then there's the booster stage, right? And the booster stage was something that uh, we, as like, you know, as a species, right? Any single country you would think of, we just used to throw that off in space, right? And the main stage mm-hmm. was also off in space, but the main stage has like a little thing that's called the satellite. And we just throw it in their orbit and then it would revolve mm-hmm. around, you know, the Earth um, for, you know, two, three decades, I would say. Uh, okay. Now we bring back the booster stage and we bring back mm-hmm. the main stage. And by bringing both of them back, it works like a, it's kind of like an Uber ride. You're taking an Uber to go somewhere and mm-hmm. then the Uber goes back to... That is cool. <laughs> Who is doing uh, that, by the way? Elon Musk? or so musk is, is it- i would say on the forefront of uh you know this you know, reusing the space vehicles right uh, mm-hmm. obviously he's a very complicated person he's a polarizing person to say the least right um and <laughs> I agree. Don't like his tweets and i agree he's, he does tweet a lot uh, but then again he does this while creating you know as little profit for spacex itself right um mm-hmm. and it's it's very interesting where you see this it has a it has a very chilling effect if you actually know that you yourself can send something up there without the need of co- you know contacting any government right uh, if you mm-hmm. you know if you ask a kid that if he wants to send something then you can look up the price if you just know the weight of it for example this mouse or this pen if you just want to send it to space mm-hmm. you just calculate the weight two grams right and then put in two grams and it would tell you how much it would cost for it to go up right and that has a very chilling effect on you know us like anyone the new the next generation uh, which might create more innovation which would eventually make space a tad bit more sustainable than we are doing it right now Um, musk is doing it uh jeff is doing it jeff is doing it in terms of tourism so Space tourism is here to stay, right? You yeah. you cannot stop it, I would say, because uh, capitalist uh, m- free money market nations, right? They they tend to go towards profit and you see a ton of profit in space tourism. So you probably want to do that. Uh, so he does it in terms of he sends something up, then he sends the entire stuff down and it basically mm-hmm. costs... Uh, than the fuel it takes for it to go up and come down, right? So it's kind of cheap and it's very good. Richard Branson okay. does it in terms of space tourism. He just reuses the plane. His thing is very interesting because it doesn't, there's no, uh, there's no rocket involved. It's just a plane. So the plane takes off from Virgin port. It's a space port. Mm-hmm. It's just a plane, right? You take off as a plane, you go up, it's barely space, but you are weightless and you see, yeah. you see the earth, right? And uh, the same plane comes down and lands. There are no rockets involved. It's just a plane ride from New York to New York. You're just coming back to, to the place you, you know, took off. Okay. All of them, all three <laughs> of them are obviously reusing, right? One of, one of them is doing it for, you know, government contracts and people who want to send stuff up like satellites and, you know, astronauts, right? Uh, the other two are doing it for pure tourism purposes. The reason that they're reusing it 
is not because of carbon emission. They're reusing it because it is cheaper for them to reuse it than to just make a new one. So not mm -hmm. all three of them are you know, thinking of, oh, we should reuse it because it reduces the carbon emissions. That's not what, that's not what happened. Also, there have been a lot of arguments around what you said before that it's not very expensive uh, sending uh, um, rockets in the space and U.S. economy is very big. But what about the countries they, which are still under development? Should we consider those countries, like should we consider helping them in some way possible if we have so much money that we can go in space for like 30 minutes and then come back? I'm not saying that we should stop doing that because space exploration is definitely one of the things that um, mm -hmm. has given us answers of questions like how the, space, uh, the earth looks like and can we like along with that along with exploration can we help other countries in some way possible? I think I think helping others makes sense ethically right helping mm -hmm. anyone makes sense ethically right if it's not a criminal yeah um but if you look at you know any country as an economic perspective if you look at any country as an economic, then you look at the country as a, a small this is very very far-fetched but it would make sense to the listeners um if you look at a country like that you look at it as a small lemonade shop okay it's a very small business that does revenue that has cost, that has input cost, right? And that has some assets that it could back it off from. The assets are uh, the things we make. So a good assets of the US are the huge corporations that the US has. A good assets of, asset of EU is the collaboration of different countries bringing together so many you know, diversified products and stuff, right? Um, and if you look at it like that, then it, you know, doesn't make any sense to help another lemonade shop. If your lemonade shop is doing well, what you want to do is to just buy another lemonade shop, right? Um, right. If you have enough money in your business, you would want to expand your business, right? And mm -hmm. that is what probably any single country on the planet would be doing, right? Um, for example, Dubai has less land. So what is it doing? It's making land on water. Now, obviously, that land is sinking, uh, but that's what Dubai is doing. For example, even Mumbai. Mumbai, they're making new islands, I think, right? Um, mm -hmm. And that's because if you have a lot of money, you would want to expand. Now, giving that money away to a country for no benefits doesn't make any sense. If you want to have... But you can invest. Or... See that thing. So investing does make sense. That's why... Uh, Currently, I would say investing in emerging. So, the by the way, these countries that are underdeveloped, they're called emerging markets. Okay. Yeah. Emerging markets. I mean, mm -hmm. they're emerging, so they're not emerged fully, right? So there is a potential that fifty years down the line, your money is tripled or something, or probably more than that. Okay. So mm -hmm. a a country that's doing that is China, right? China has invested a lot in the you know Eastern South African region, uh, but then it takes a lot in return, right? Uh, there have been cases of uh, uh, the the offices that uh, the Chinese government made for the uh, the parliament of those countries having bugs that listened on to the debates that they were having 
for their government, which is obviously illegal, mm -hmm. right? You would not want to hear that. Uh, if the U.S. does that, I don't think we would do it like that. Or if you know France did that or something, right? But it has mm -hmm. to come from countries that are significantly financially capable of doing something like that. Uh, and and you, you know, don't think there is any country for the moment. No, no, no. So that's the thing. So coming, coming on that idea, right? So you would want it to be a country that is able to do that. Let's say you take NASA out of the consideration. Let's say there's no NASA, mm -hmm. right? This argument would make sense is if all the activity that was happening in space was NASA. If NASA did space tourism, but NASA is mm -hmm. not doing space tourism, right? So it's there, there no. are three companies that are involved in space stuff privately. So what you're mm -hmm. saying is that those companies should invest in other countries, right? Because the U.S. is not sending people up. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's unfair okay. to say the U.S. shouldn't invest in other countries when the U.S. itself is not doing much in terms of like NASA is not sending people anywhere, I would say currently. Um, mm -hmm. Even, you know, the people coming going to ISS and coming back are coming from SpaceX itself. So I think the companies should do something, definitely, right? It makes mm -hmm. sense. Um, but then it depends example. on the CEOs. <laughs> yes, it does depend on the CEO and the the incentive of returns. Um, I I don't want to make this podcast a little bit. Um, uh, how do I do it? Uh, divideful for people to listen. Uh, but there is there was a statement by the previous president that obviously, you know, the previous president was hated across the world, right? Um, and he said that uh, that these countries, right, that he, he called them shithole countries because it was a shithole to invest in them because that money would most likely be overrun by uh, gangs and uh, they're like uh, terrorist groups there that control, that have mm -hmm. more power than the government itself. And the elections are not, you know, democratic. So what you would want to do to actually make that work, and I'm considering mm -hmm. countries that have, you know, very low GDP and are in debt, is you would want to do something that the U.S. did to Afghanistan. You would want to go there militarily, take care of the terrorism, mm -hmm. take care of the government, rebuild the government, and they can go out. And by the way, we did that same thing to Afghanistan, and it fell the moment we left yeah yeah so it, it's very complicated to do this right and mm -hmm. you would also need to know what is happening in there which is by the way you know this has happened for over 100 years right and mm -hmm. uh at least a country like france or uk or us you know we have been for the last 100 years we have been doing something right we had mm -hmm. wars and we had economic downturns and we had you know the new carbon tax for so we have so much stuff going on that it's hard to learn a lot about that country and think that, oh, it might give me another, uh, it might give me a return on my investment or something. Uh, Non-ethically speaking. Ethically, yes, we should help. I wanted to ask about carbon insetting and carbon offsetting. So, you know, carbon mm -hmm. offsetting, it means paying some ransom to get mm -hmm. rid of the carbon that you uh, just emitted in the mm -hmm. atmosphere. For example, when we take flights, we can pay extra mm -hmm. so that we, yeah. yeah. So what do you think? Is it ethical? Because you are actually emitting carbon, but then you pay for it and then mm -hmm. you can raise your hand that, oh, okay. 
there's no carbon so, from my side i think the i might be wrong on this but i think that uh that movement started from i think it started from the oil companies uh mm-hmm. so if you are a big oil corporation right by the way the world would not exist without oil companies even though we hate them you know we need them right you need them for the light that you're right now having right uh mm-hmm. well, not in France because it runs on nuclear but even those nuclear companies are half of them are like private owned right so you need those companies um and they were forced at least in the US by US regulators uh to do some carbon offsetting to mitigate their impact on the environment right now as an oil corporation mm-hmm. you you are the ones that you know emit carbon right because you're taking carbon out of the earth and you're selling it and that carbon goes in the atmosphere again um mm-hmm. so you're basically draining earth i would say right uh so you have no other option than doing carbon offsetting right so for example i'm very rich uh mm-hmm. i don't care much about the global mm-hmm. warming or climate mm-hmm. change mm-hmm. and i decide to take a flight mm-hmm. and in return mm-hmm. uh i'm doing carbon offsetting but i'm I, still releasing that carbon in the air and how is that money going to cover what carbon i emitted actually what i would do in this scenario if you want to really judge what's happening right so you follow the money that's the classic example mm-hmm. right so exactly. if which person does that what usually happens and this is usually you know, not in all cases but usually what will happen is the money from that rich guy would go towards startups that are good for the environment so over time mm-hmm. let's say that guy did that thing again and again and again so he would be drained of that wealth and that wealth would go to better startups which would use that uh, that wealth in a in a better manner right so overall the money is flowing towards doing better jobs and better stuff and you know more eco friendly uh, environment in the end okay so mm-hmm. in the end it's a good thing if you're doing carbon offsets right because th- there was no such thing as carbon offsets like 100 years ago or 50 years yeah. ago right so the term itself is a good thing if you don't have that term then they won't be doing it but now they are doing it so it, it is a plus okay ethically but, uh, you could probably you... say that you know should they be doing it or should they just stop doing what they want to do right but mm-hmm. you can never you know tell other people how to live their lives i think that's not how at least half of the world works or more than half the world works right in china you yeah. can or in russia you can but you know many other places you can't so uh-huh. uh but don't you think that carbon offsetting is still unethical in some ways as you are paying money to get rid of it um compared to carbon insetting which is basically designing a model based on releasing less carbon in the atmosphere people um, think that it's uh, it's not very achievable but uh no it's achievable in some it's achievable in some industries but i think the i think if you look at carbon offsetting's data right the most mm-hmm. offsets are from companies that have no no other alternative like mm-hmm. i don't think yeah. uh, a plastic making company can have an alternative so they cannot do pl- carbon insetting right mm-hmm. i insetting is a better idea um usually it requires a lot of capital by the way and you know having capital uh for something that's just going to reduce your revenue overall 
is not a good thing. So you need some subsidy or you know government help for it to actually matter for big corporations. Uh, and if you had the if you had the choice to go in setting, uh, I would advise a a business that is not being helped by the government to not do inset, rather do offsets, because offsets would do the same thing. Um, obviously, insets are better, but then you're just so a, a new startup, a small business, won't be able to afford those costs, right? Because you need heavy amount of capital to change it. Uh, That's also uh, very interesting. Why always sustainable products are so expensive? Does it always have to be expensive, or is it just like? because it's trendy but because they're not marketed the right way i think they should be marketed as the as, you know as i think we had a conversation of air uh, about you know how you should market these things as being fast fashion i know this is better terms of fast fashion there is a you know there's in any single industry there's this is the total share it's called the market share right mm -hmm. and your goal if you want the world to be sustainable is to capture as much of that market share. You now the thing is, many people who are for climate change and all that want to get rid of that market share and that whole you know industry as a whole. They want mm -hmm. to be like a fast fashion shouldn't exist, you mm -hmm. know, and they they're basically oh space tourism shouldn't exist at all, right? So. Mm -hmm those things are hard like banning something like that right it's not uh, it's not like a cryptocurrency you can ban overnight or something um mm -hmm. but if you if you look uh, if you look at gaining uh, market share being actually competitive and mm -hmm. you know kicking the the fast fashion businesses when you know where they get hurt the most i think that's how uh, you can actually get competitive prices because then you're actually gaining market share. So you have competitive prices, um, and then your demand is increasing because now they don't have an alternative. Um, mm -hmm. At that point, you can probably you know decrease what your users usually buy, but in mm -hmm. you know for that you need to have a user base in the first place. Right, mm -hmm. you don't have a user base. Base, but I think uh, the main point that you uh, address is marketing because. I'm sure uh, there are there is like a big marketing team behind, for example, Zara or um, Perashka, for example, in France. Mm -hmm. But for but that's the point, uh, you know, sustainable fashion brands they think that we don't want to sell more. That's why they don't want to force their clients to buy mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. So for us, I think it's uh, kind of still unethical to force people and like go out on social media and mm -hmm. market intensely our products yeah, yeah, but yeah. i think there has to like we have to find another way to market our products and well, you have to way. you have to tackle and gain market share as as a whole because the thing is you uh you want the overall market share to decrease over time in terms of fashion at least if i get that mm -hmm. correctly okay and that just yeah. means that people buying less clothes overall in next 10 years mm -hmm. that just means that you know overall market share has decreased because production of that particular cloth has decreased over 10 years okay yeah. for that mm -hmm. <laughs> no company whether if it's a monopoly that's a different thing right uh, mm -hmm. but a, a good example of this is if if there was a button in front of mm -hmm. musk for example of uh, letting people drive no cars 
and letting people mm-hmm. drive electric cars. I think he would switch the button off for no cars. Like he wouldn't, he would like there, there should be no cars. But for that mm-hmm. to exist, he has to first switch people to his own cars, no matter how they are. Let's say he mm-hmm. made, you know, combustion engine uh, cars. Okay. But if yeah. he has to sell less of them, he has to own more of those, you know, users over time. And then, you know, then he can probably say, okay, okay, so we would, uh, we would sell less to these and the products that I'm sending would last you five years, six years, if you said, you know, if you get my products. So, you know, their uh, loyal customers would most likely not buy it again. Uh, you can't say that if you're a small indie company coming from, you know, God's, God knows where, and then you never market yourself high. And you also don't have like any competition in this. Um, yeah. And most people who, you know, work like this, they get, acqu- you know, acquisitions, right? Yeah. Acquisitions by big corporations, right? Mm-hmm. And they is basically called being eaten by something so big. Um, and these things, they, they're small. I think there is a fear of acquisition. Mm-hmm. They, there's a fear that if they become big, they would have to compete with these mm-hmm. many things. And, you know, they don't want to do that. They are good people. They're nice people. So, yeah. but you, you would have to do something instead like of, that. Instead of uh, acquisition, maybe we can try to find out ways for collaborating. That's um, not how, at least I look at economics. Um, I think competition I think is the best way to get. Okay. Um, but uh, then again, like, I think uh, if you had one sustainable fashion brand, mm-hmm. I think you would probably want to have two instead of one uh, because mm-hmm. then that, that would keep the prices low and that would keep things competitive like two two fast fashion is better than one fast fashion i think um because both of them would compete for market share and then both of them would mm-hmm. equalize their prices so no one gets an upper hand you know mm-hmm. um collaboration is good yes that's right but you know, there's no legal binding for collaboration yeah. right um mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I don't think, I, I've not seen any sustainable fashion brand that is into competing that much. That's true. That's, yeah. I think they don't want to do that. Yeah. It's in our DNA. <laughs> but yeah, I think we have to change if we really want to bring change. A big change. You would do small change. Yeah. You would do a community-wide change, right? But worldwide. Mm-hmm the highest you know sales if we want actually need sales for making a big impact we need we need to take on the big guys i agree to it on a certain level all right i think uh that's pretty much all that i wanted to cover Mm -hmm. on the topic of climate change from the perspective of economics student and uh, it was great um i think the two most important things that i will take from um what you said mm-hmm. is that private companies can be good sometimes if the ceos are not so crazy mm-hmm. um yeah they can bring real change in the countries now and um i think it Individually, I understand that um, we have been forced with so many things that, okay, you have to segregate all the weights and do the 
recycling all by yourself but i think we have to enter in the market for example like actually study something related to politics and enter in the politics to bring that change because as you said going on the streets will not help as much as it held like 100 years ago but the thing is going on the street is an option for command economies for for mm-hmm. for you know for example china or russia or um like those 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 things they don't have a free open market you know mm-hmm. if you if you have a better product at a cheaper price mm-hmm. i don't see any country that is a free economy like you know us uk canada you know france i don't see anywhere where you can be stoppable you would be unstoppable if you have a better product at a cheaper mm-hmm. price there's nothing there's nothing to stop you you just have to market your way and start something you know mm-hmm. i think my takeaways which i would like the viewers to get from this would be first thing don't fight mm-hmm. governments you know i don't think that's our job i think fighting corporations is our job you you fight you know big companies that are so big they're they can take on countries sometimes right so you fight that's those true. people that's what's happening right now no because the thing is these ceos they don't give a no answer they they have a clear incentive okay they want to make sure okay, their company grows right mm-hmm. you talk to a politician he could talk for an hour and give you nothing right exactly you, you you talk an hour to a ceo he might offer you a deal or he might say mm-hmm. okay i would need this and then i can probably think about doing this right mm-hmm. it's easy to talk with that person like that right obviously mm-hmm. it's hard to you know reach at that level and talk to someone like this but it's i think it's better use of your time if you want to do something that big that you talk to mm-hmm. these corporations instead of you know rallying in dc and mm-hmm. secondly i think big change and small change it's change nonetheless right mm-hmm. so you should do your part and just think about the overall picture after like a year and see if you have mm-hmm. like changed any pieces in it That's a very wise advice. Thank you, thank you. And thank you for having me. My pleasure. Thank you so much.